signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vine, the boogie woogie man. This is Coach Pride with Virginia Tech football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. Text line 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio. Send me a message on Messenger. Keon Brown at 635. Bill Roth, David Teal in our Hall of Fame Power Hour. I guess you could say most popular Jim Croce storytelling songs here about Leroy Brown. And then, of course, you don't want to mess around with Jim unless your name is Slim. And then Slim comes in and takes over. I mean, good stuff. Good stuff here on a Wednesday. You know, I like to share, you know, the morning adventures that I have. Whether it's 
dodging deer, whether it's the two times I actually saw a black bear, bad driving guy, which we have broken bread over many times. But this one's a little more serious. This one really starts to make you go, wow, this is actually something here in our community, in our New River Valley. And I guess it has been. It's not really news under the sun probably for a lot of people. But the amount of, uh, how can I say this? (laughs) The amount of illegal acquisition of narcotics that I see most mornings is, is very concerning. One at the gas station I pulled into to get gas this morning, and then another at the convenience store here in Fairlawn when I was getting my sodas. And you watch these things happen, and you think, this is basically out in the open. And nobody seems affected by it whatsoever. And I'm thinking... I mean, this is where we are. This is where we are as, I guess, a society now. But it just made me shake my head. So just be careful when you're out and about. I mean, you never know what you're going to run into, man. I know that's always been the case. But man, oh man, when you kind of get this reiterated every morning, or most mornings, I won't say every morning, most mornings, It's very sobering. You know, you're at the gas station, and you're there, and you see a car sitting in the parking lot with its lights off, but you can tell it's running, and you see an individual, and as you start to get out and run your card through the pump, you see this car kind of go in to the gas area at a little higher rate of speed than normal. And that car takes the time not only to pull up beside the car you've already seen, but to back up so his door is facing the door of the car. You see arms go out the window. You see a bag go into the car that was previously sitting there, and then you see something else go out of that car into the car that just pulled up, and then that car screeches off faster than it did when it pulled in. Yeah. I think I just witnessed something that probably shouldn't have been happening. (laughs) Call me crazy. And you're thinking, wow, what if I'm standing here getting gas and they look over and go, hey, wait a minute, that guy's a witness. Better take him out. I mean, seriously, that's a thought that you have. Hey. But anyway, I digress. Just a reminder to be safe, right? Just be safe because this stuff is going on, and it's not even a joking matter. It's just, it's just very concerning, man. You just see it, and it's just crazy. All right, here, here you go. Here's a text message, and I really appreciate this text message. I'm a recovering drug addict, and when I wanted my fix, I didn't care who saw me as long as it wasn't a cop. It's a bad life. Nothing good come from it. He said he got caught and spent two years in jail. Appreciate the testimony. There you go. And I'm assuming that's the same mentality that I'm seeing because these are, and you know, right, because you experience, these are, 
they're meeting in public places and just doing this stuff. It's not like they're trying to hide. I guess because they figured out that if they are trying to hide too hard, that it, someone will notice, maybe law enforcement, and figure out, well, that's supposed to be there that time of morning. I mean, you're looking at between 4.15, 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. So, but I do really appreciate the text, and I hope, uh, I hope you're getting better still. I really, really mean that. That's pretty cool that you took the time to do that, to, to let me know about that. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just felt like I needed to share it just to remind you that if you are out, don't assume anything. Be careful. Be very, very careful. I see it. It's easy to spot down at the universities. If you're over at Tech or if you're over at Radford, all you got to do is look for the guys carrying the backpacks. <laughs> The kids carrying the backpacks, you know exactly what's going on. I see those in the morning walking around. Sometimes it's in, you know, most of the time, honestly, down at RU, it's when I'm going to lunch and you see people walking down toward an area and you see other people walking and it might be cold. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me. We know how much, how abundant drug use is in our communities, but when you see that, Man, oh man, it just, it's not that I'm naive to know that it's not going on or think that it's not going on. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's, you have a general idea of how bad certain things are, but then when you see it happen twice in the span of about 10 minutes at two different places of public business, it makes you realize what an amazing fight law enforcement is up against. It really does. But, hey, we're all uh, a family on this show, smartest listening audience in radio, and I guess I wanted to talk about it just to remind you to be safe. Don't assume somebody – here's the thing, and you don't like to feel this way, but you can't assume somebody is going to be a nice person anymore. You can't just say that, I think down deep in our soul, people – no, because of circumstances, because of whatever it might be, and this is no judgment on people at all. I don't want to, this isn't judgment. People are driven to do the things that they do, especially today when it's so have and have not, and I guess to a certain extent it has been. But when you have the people who are the haves completely just trying to become richer, to gain more, whether it's power, whether it's money, whatever it might be, and you continue to see the lies that are spread through the media to protect those people, and then more and more is taken away, more and more costs. Things are costing ridiculous amounts. I called about a car battery for my mom's car yesterday. You used to be able to get car batteries for what? $50, $60? Car battery, I was quoted, was $180. Over $120 from the last time that I remember buying a car battery. And I'm just like, wow. And this is okay. Gas is going up. No, ex- Nobody talks about it, right? Gas has gone up a dollar. Oh, you know, Have you noticed that? Gas has gone up a dollar over the last two, three weeks. Politicians are always easy to say, hey, look, look at gas. But then when gas goes up, I don't have any control over it. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Gas came down a dollar. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. It went back up. Oh, uh, that's not me. That's the oil companies. So I get it, man. I do. 
I get that people have troubles that lead to addiction like the texter talked about. And you have my utmost empathy. You really do. But I, I mean, I saw that. I had a mindset to come in and talk about all this other stuff. And then I see this happen within 10 minutes of my freaking journey to the station. And it's just like changed my whole, ugh. Here we are. This is what our kids, if you have young kids, you know, I have a, my youngest son is a junior in high school. Who the hell knows what he runs into? I mean, I've talked to him about this stuff. And I don't believe he's into any of that. I don't know for sure. We never really know. Just think about when we were young. That's the thing about it is if you become a parent, you think about now I've known basically through my kids when they're up to something that they shouldn't be. You figure it out, right? Parents have that knowledge. You think back when you were a teenager or when you're in middle school, high school, and you thought your parents didn't know. Maybe you were out and you were drinking with your buddies or you got home a couple hours later than you're supposed to and you realize the entire time, yep, they knew because you know most of the time with your own kids. Yep, they have no idea. They can't smell anything on my clothes the next morning. (laughs) But it's just, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Just a reminder to be safe, use caution, be smart. And uh, watch out if you're out that early, man, because you never know what you're going to see. I've seen, I've seen a lot of things and over the last, now this is what, we started year four of this program back in August. I mean, I've seen a lot of things over the last three plus years getting up this early. That one, unfortunately, that scene that was repeated this morning, unfortunately, has become far, far too common. To the point where some mornings I'm standing there, especially during the warmer months, and you're just going, oh, look, there it's happening again. Oh, there they go. Yep. Well, I guess I'll just continue to pump my gas here. But in any event. All right. We got a lot to get to. Keon Brown's going to join us. We'll talk some college hoops. And I got to ask him about the NBA All Star disaster weekend. I mean, there's no defending what was going on. I saw. The NBA release, hey, the ratings are up for the All-Star Weekend. This after last year recording the lowest ratings in the history of the event. It's up from last year. It's still the second lowest NBA All-Star rating ever. But hey, they're up from last year. Bill Roth, David Teal in Hour 3. Just getting started on a Wednesday. Hey, this is Tim Flannery, third base coach, singer-songwriter of the San Diego Padres. You're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Through the streets of Soho in the rain. So, what do you think about more? This song and the movie, Werewolf in London, or do you think more about the color of money where Tom Cruise is uh, running the pool table? I'm thinking about Tom Cruise, right? I mean, (laughs) it's a 
great movie, by the way. Color of Money is very underrated. It's a great, great movie. Paul Newman is so good in that movie. Man, I love that movie. I mean, if you saw, by the way, if you saw the, uh, the movie The Hustler in 1961, I believe, 61 or 62, somewhere around there, black and white film, Jackie Gleason was Minnesota Fats. Just a brilliant film. This, that movie is the continuation. It's the sequel of that movie some many years later. And Tom Cruise played Vince. And, of course, they play the Warren Zevon classic there while he's running the pool table. Great movie. Hokey Bob, I'm going to get to this in hour two because I had looked at this. But Hokey Bob sent a, a, a link. By the way, we've talked about how, well, you know how I am about uniforms to begin with. I mean, I'm, I am. As Aaron McFarling dubbed me, I am the uniform police. And I take pride in that. I know I lose a lot of battles. <laughs> Especially... I don't know why, but many of you Tech fans seem to really accept the constant wearing of the black uniform that has nothing to do with Tech colors. But hey, we've, we've gone through this topic many times, so I won't continue to beat a dead horse there. But the latest is how openly critical most of the Major League Baseball players are being over these new horrible Nike uniforms through Fanatics that are going to cost you, if you want to buy one, nearly $500. And everyone is saying they're made like paper, they're cheap, they're thin, and uncomfortable. I'm going to get into the article a little bit later on. And it just goes to show you again that we just talked about everything costing more, right? Just ridiculous. Everybody's validating what they can charge. And it almost seems like, you know, everybody's going to look at their own situation. Oh, what's cost? They're going to say it's costing us this much, by the way, to produce these tires for your new car. That's why it's costing almost twice as much. Or, hey, if you need a car battery, hey, it's going to cost us this much more. And maybe it does. I don't know. But Nike... Fanatics is a disaster to begin with in terms of it just needs to be a distribution center. But now, of course, it wants to design and put its own logo on clothes and things like that. And Nike hasn't gotten anything right. I mean, I can't remember the last time Nike got any uniform right. Can anyone help me? I mean, they've ruined the NFL uniforms. Now the baseball uniforms. Nothing in the NBA looks good. All these horrible city uniforms. I mean, these gimmicky things. But now you have many, many players saying, look, we can't play in this crap. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episodes where George Costanza wanted the Yankees to play in cotton and you realize that they shrunk. <laughs> After one game, they were feeling great and happy. And then, oh, wait a minute, we washed them and now they're too tight. Well, the players are saying none of these uniforms fit them. Yet they were rolled out there. And, of course, Rob Manford, the commissioner, defending the relationships that he has with Fanatics and Nike and ignoring the players. That's usually the way it goes, right? So we'll get into that a little bit, too. Just buyer beware. Not surprised, though, here in 2024. 
And I guess you'll notice them if you start watching spring training games, what they start tonight. So bad. So bad. Oh, agreed. Oh, there's, there's another topic, too. The location on the uh, the numbers now on the NASCAR doors. Horrible. Keon Brown joins us next. Taylor, linebacker for the Virginia Tech Hokies, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Nah, man, Ben Taylor. Everybody has their own personal favorite, like, tech football players. Ben Taylor, number 40, the walk-on, easily, easily in my top five. Great dude. Great dude. Great dude. Great dude. Going to sound the program. No, not Mike Burnham. <laughs> He's our basketball correspondent, former Raptor University Highlander, and there are very few people in the world that I think more highly of than Keon Brown, who joins us now. KB, what's up, my brother? Good morning. Rick Watson, what's going on, bro? How you doing, man? I'm hanging in there, man, with this uh, very, very difficult college basketball season for our Highlanders right now. It is, uh, I mean, KB, it was sobering as you're doing the post game on Saturday night after the beatdown in High Point. To look at the updated standings and see Radford in last by themselves, and I just had to go, wow, just wow. We were picking uh, what's yeah, going man. on. What I mean, you're watching. I mean, what are some of the things that you're noticing? I mean, it's it's, it's a complete shock, to be honest with you. And the body language isn't the greatest. I mean, execution isn't there. It just looks like a completely different team than we saw earlier in the season versus, you know, say a West Virginia, a Marshall, even some of the efforts that we saw at VCU where you're playing great basketball in the first half. You just didn't hit shots, but you could tell it was a pretty good team. And now it just looks like the total opposite. And then in the game versus High Point, you got Kamani Hamilton in the first half looking like Rip Hamilton when he was in UConn. And he had 30 points. I mean, it's like at some point you have to look deep down inside yourself as a player. Hold yourself accountable and say, I'm not going out like this. At some point, it's not on the coaches. It's not on the what the people in the media think, the fans think, whatever the case may be. It's about what you think as a player and how much pride you have as a player. That's what it's going to come down to. You gather the guys up. You have a players-only meeting. You call guys out. You say, we are still arguably the most talented team in this league. It's March Madness coming up, and we know that's the most magical time of the year. Anything can happen. We need to put this thing together. Right now we're facing an uphill battle because we're in last place by ourselves. But we better than anybody can beat any team when we play our best, and we're going to have to start and do that right now because it's looking like Raptors going to play the first day. That's Wednesday. The players are going to have to hold their self accountable, and I can say that because I was one. 
I was a player, and I wore that Highlander uniform. And one thing you couldn't teach us, and me specifically, was effort. I don't care if I was zero for eight from the field. I was going to play hard. My film, when you had the scouting report against Keon Brown, said he is one of the hardest working players that you will play against. And some of our guys, you can say the opposite right now. So guys are going to have to look deep down inside themselves, not feel entitled, and say, if I'm a real hooper, a real hooper, a guy who grew up playing this game, I am going to have to come out here, play for the name on the front of my jersey, not the back, play for all of my teammates. I'm going to try to not let you guys down, and we're going to put this thing together. I think the players need to look at themselves in the mirror, come out with a different mindset, and if not, you'll continue to get embarrassed. Well, and, and you know, it's, what you're saying sounds a lot like what Dare said on the post game. He goes, I'm just afraid we have guys that want the season to be over with at this point. And he's trying to remind them, look, you're not going to get this chance again in your life. You're going to look back on that and realize you sold yourself short at the end if you don't at least go out there and give everything that you got. You won't regret if it doesn't work out on the scoreboard if you just went out there and tried. But And it, it's just how we've gotten to this point. It, I don't know. People ask me all the time, and I don't, I'm not sure anybody really knows. But, um, yeah, to be picked second and to, to have all the – he had the great non-conference, right? He had the momentum building from last year, 21 wins. You made the semifinals of the, of the uh, CBI, and you got all this momentum. You have a great non-conference. You beat West Virginia. And then for this to happen, I just – I've never seen – 24 years, I've never seen – this much of a disappointment in a conference schedule from any Radford team. I can think I can say and then it's just, Yeah, man. And then at the same time you look at the schedule when you say this team is in last place and still has the most nationally televised games out of any team in the Big South. <laughs> right. I don't think any other team has had, what, three games that were broadcasted nationally. So you got another one this Thursday. That's because the folks think or thought so highly of you that they thought these things would get turned around. You start off against the first game against Longwood, and you play well. You bounce back from, you know, those op- the opening loss against High Point to start the conference slate. And then you play against Winthrop a week ago, and that was bad, fairly embarrassing. And you knew that they would come out and be one of the better versions of themselves because they played one of their worst games the previous game at Longwood. So you knew – uh, you know, those guys will, will be ready to go, and Coach Prosser will have those guys. Now you got Gardner-Webb and you got Tim Kraft. And if you're not ready tomorrow night, oh. at Gardner-Webb is a tough place to play in the Big South. You're going to get ran out of the floor because those guys don't wait for no one. As soon as you score, they're out. As, sco- as soon as the shot goes up, the fight starts and they box you out. It's going to be tough. I still believe in those guys, but it is going to take some deep soul-searching. Two weeks left in the season – Four games this time next week. It'll be two. You got to get it going, man. You got to get it going. Well, and looking at Virginia Tech here, um, you know, they got a nice uh, win against Virginia, completely shut them down. Here's where they have a shot. Now, they're not anywhere close to being under NCAA tournament consideration right now, but they got two games on the road here. You can start to build back that reputation to build some momentum heading into the ACC tournament. Do you see that as just an anomaly, the fact that they got this standalone win. I mean, this is the same team that lost to Notre Dame a week and a half ago. So is it that Virginia Tech's starting to figure it out, or do we have more issues with Tony Bennett? You realize Tony Bennett 
has not won an NCAA tournament game since uh, they won the national championship in 2019. Yeah, as far as Virginia Tech, excellent win. I pretty much, in in the rivalry that is UVA versus Virginia Tech, you can pretty much say on a year-in-year-out basis, they're pretty much going to split. So I did see that win coming. Now you have to win against Pitt, who was getting blown out <laughs> out of the waters by Wake Forest in a huge game for them last night. So those guys are going to play much better. At Syracuse, who is a tough team to play at home, uh, but they haven't been the greatest on the road. And that's the case for a lot of the ACC squads. They play well at home on the road. They're a different team. You got a game against Wake Forest at home at Castle, who if you can win, that's another quadrant one win. You got to beat Louisville. You got to beat Notre Dame. As you said, they already lost to Notre Dame, but you have to beat the teams that you're just better than. You just have to. You can't have some of these bad losses on your resume. And then, also for Virginia Tech, you're going to have to win a couple of games in the ACC tournament. I think if you can make it to the semifinals, you can lock yourself in. But you have to win some of these games. You have to help yourself. I don't think they're in by any stretch of the imagination right now. But when you have Robbie Barron playing as well as he did, Link Kidd continue, continuing to be one of the most improved players in the league. Uh, you know, Poteet had an excellent game. If those guys can step up with the Hunnikin Tours of the world and the Sean Padulas, I like Virginia Tech's chances, but those guys are going to have to come along. And then on that flip side, you talk about UVA and how overrated they are, in my opinion. Now, what keeps them in games is their defense. But when you play defense the way you did versus Virginia Tech, you're going to get blown out because you don't have guys who can put the ball in the basket, and that has been the case all season. You're asking Reese Beekman to be the best player in the league on the defensive end and then giving you 16-plus points per game on the offensive end, and that's not his game. In my opinion, he is one of the best players. He's the best player on the team, but he's one of the best players in the ACC. But that's because he does it both ways. But if you're looking for him to be the guy that you give the ball to on the offensive end, he needs to at least be your second, maybe even your third guy on the offensive end. UVA is going to continue to struggle because they're going to continue to struggle to score. It's been the case all year. As long as their defense shows up, they'll be in games. But when you have games like you had two nights ago against Virginia Tech and the defense decides not to show up, they'll continue to get blown out. Ken Brown joining me on the program. He's our basketball correspondent. Do you have a problem with anything Rick Pitino said or even last night Dan Hurley? I mean, uh, coaches that are saying, look, our players aren't, they have shortcomings. I mean, Patino got scrutinized by a lot of people. I had a couple people send me text messages and disagreed with me and thought that Patino was out of line. You know, Hurley last night said, look, uh, we didn't coach. I think his quote was, we didn't coach where the dam, and our players certainly didn't play where the dam. Any questions? I mean, do you have problems with coaches coming out and being public and airing their frustration, especially now in the day of the NIL where there's a little bit more responsibility on players than there used to be? Uh, not really. I think that Coach Patino is one of those old school guys cut from a different cloth, and you know he just wants the best out of his team. He's trying to pull something out of those guys. They started, you know, the Big East fairly well, man. They were, I think, they were like what five or six and one at one point, and now they've been, you know, just losing. And out of, he's just trying to figure it out. And you got Joel Soriano, who was the guy who was all Big East a year ago, and he's been coming off of the bench. And I saw some of those uh, clippings, you know, the press conference from Rick Pitino. And for him, 
he was like, we just got to get tougher defensively. Guys can't guard laterally, and he's one of them. So that's part of the reason he's coming off of the bench. But he's going to be a guy that they're going to need if they're going to make it to the tournament. At one point, they looked like a tournament team. Right now, they're looking like they're going to be out. But I thought that St. John's would be my surprise team. And the way that they're playing or they started the season, the conference slate, was the team that I thought they would be. They hit a skit. Now they're going to have to try to finish strong in order to get back. And then with UConn, they got blown out of the waters uh, yesterday at Creighton. And you could kind of see that coming. UConn was just as hot as you can get. And you knew there would come a time where someone would catch them and there was no better team than Creighton. When you asked me about one of my final four picks in the preseason, Creighton was one of them because of how deep they are. Ryan Kalkbrenner didn't even play as well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Baylor Shireman didn't play as well. Brian Kalkbrenner has the chance to be a three-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. And then on the other end, if you have Alex Caravan and Cam Spencer scoring seven to six points, you're going to neutralize everything that UConn's going to try to do. And at the same time, UConn wants to shoot threes. I think Creighton did as good a job of as anyone I saw this season running those guys off the three-point line, forcing those guys to play on the inside out, not allowing them to get three-point shots. Now, you'll take Trisha Newton being your leading scorer because he's ahead of the snake. He's the guy that wants to get others involved. And if he's going to be the guy offensively, you're playing into the defensive hands. But I see nothing... I'm not worried at all about UConn. You can see it coming. They're going to bounce back in their next game, and they're going to at least be uh, tied for first place by the end of the big season. That's the least they can do. All right, KB, finally, what in the world can the NBA do to prevent further embarrassment? This All-Star weekend was a complete sham, and the final, the game itself, I mean, players are even talking about it in the game. And what can happen? 211 to 186, nobody cared, nobody tried. What? What are we going to do? What's the NBA going to do? They have a really sour image right now they have to try to address. I have no idea. I have no clue what the league can do. And it's not just the All-Star game. It's All-Star Saturday night as well. Yeah. I mean, you already lowered the standard, I guess, by getting a guy like Mac McClung in the dunk contest, who is a nice kid. You know, he's not too – he's from Virginia. He's a guy I've met a few times. and But it just takes away – what the brand truly is. So I'm not sure what you can do. The most exciting thing about the All-Star Saturday night is the three-point contest. That never disappoints because there's not much that you have to do, and they're always the best shooters who, you know, want to participate. So as far as the All-Star game, guys are just going to have to play with more heart, I guess. I don't know. It's just a different era of basketball where guys seem a bit more entitled, they're worried more about their brand than competing, they're worried mm-hmm. about more so how much money they make than actually winning. You have guys out there who are in like with basketball and not in love with basketball. So when you have players that grew up this way in this era, that's what you're going to get. That's why you can say some of these old school guys who are on their way out, the LeBrons, the Kevin Durant, the Steph Currys, one thing you can't say about them is that they don't cheat the game. They give it their all. But they're the last of a dying breed. They're closer to the end than the beginning. And you're about to see more of what you saw this past weekend because guys just don't have the heart. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, I think it's perfectly said. And it's it's really going to be a, a bad time in college basketball because you're exactly right. Generations of young basketball players are going to be littering college basketball rosters 
are watching these guys, and that's who they want to emulate, not just what they do on the floor, but how they handle things in terms of their own personal business marketing. And it's, it's going to become more of that, even from recruits, as it already is in a lot of ways for a lot of teams, yeah. right, than it used to be. You're not emulating guys to be great on the floor. You're emulating guys from the business uh, standpoint. Yeah, it's not about the heart anymore. and It's unfortunate. You talk about, uh, you know, I think the world of LeBron, we know your opinion on the GOAT, but we're not going to get into that right now. But even you can't say that he doesn't go out there and that year 21 gives it his all when you see him losing a regular season game and he's as mad as he is. When you're that mad, that means you're, you're concerned. That means you care, right? But when you're out here smiling and you don't, you know, you're shaking hands and you're joking and laughing, with guys, and you're in year three, it's the total opposite. That's where the game is headed, unfortunately. Well, you should have some fun tonight, right? You've got, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't tonight uh, Asheville night for Longwood? No doubt about it. Oh, did we lose him? Oh, we lost him. We lost him. That's okay. Well, the end of the segment was coming anyway. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Longwood tonight. Keon will be on the call. Let's see if we can get him back real quick. I just heard a quick clip, and you were gone. Now you're back. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. That's okay. Yeah. But you got, so, yeah, you got Asheville tonight, right? Yep, Drew Pember. Those guys are incredible. I changed their name from UNCA to UNCAARP because they got eight <laughs> senior to 50 guys. All those guys eligible for the early bird special, man. It's so old. Oh, uh, what a great line. I'm so stealing that when we play them at the Dedman Center <laughs> to finish the regular season. That's great. I'll, give you, I'll credit you, though. I'll credit you, though. Uh, well, listen, have a great call tonight. Uh, of course, now, as you mentioned, Radford plays tomorrow yet again. Another short weekend for them. Wow, it's the third one. Um, down at Gardner-Webb. So uh, have a good call tonight, my friend. Take care of yourself. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Rapper guys, get it together. Dequan Smith, you are a dog, a leader. Lead those guys. They need you right now. You are the guy that can turn this thing around. I believe in you, brother. All right, Rick. All right, man. Take care. Stay safe. There you go. That's uh, Keon Brown, our basketball correspondent. Great stuff from him, as always. Breaking it down. He he hurts like the rest of Highlander Nation right now. I mean, it is uh, it's tough. We're back to wrap up hour one. Remind you what's ahead in the second hour. I think I have some good discussion things I want to get your take on. And then uh, Bill Roth, David Teal on our Hall of Fame Power Hour. Well, you can walk out on me tonight. If you think that it ain't feeling right But darling, there ain't no getting over me Not much time left here as we head to uh, the end of hour number one. I want to get into more of this. I'm going to go into the exact piece here about the uh, players being upset with the new baseball unis. But this whole thing about coaches who now seem to be less shy about coming forward about the shortcomings of their own players. And as is usually the case, especially with an entity like ESPN, it's far behind the times. But are we really that surprised that we're seeing more of this? And do you have the same feeling? And I had a couple people say, well, they shouldn't say that about the players, Rick Pitino. They just probably don't like Rick Pitino. I get He's not a very likable dude. I understand that. But 
considering the environment where now basically these players, if they are getting paid, what are they? They're employees. How much do you think that's changed the mindset of coaches? We'll talk a little bit about that. Hour two coming up.